AT&T connects an ode to podcasts. Connect the alarm. Change the podcast you stream. Connect the snooze. Ten more minutes to dream. Connect the shower. Lather up with the news. Sports talk, comedians, or movie reviews. Connect with that three-hour philosophy show. Change the drive into work. In traffic, so slow. Connect the dishes to voices that glow. Thank you to the geniuses of spoken audio. Connect the stories, change your perspective. Connecting changes everything. AT&T. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome. You are now listening to The Professional Professional. 
it's your girl, Ebony, from the Professional Homegirl Podcast, the only place where you will hear interviews from women of color anonymously on stories that will enlighten and expand on taboo topics. Now, if you hear someone that sounds familiar, mind the business that pays you, child. Please support the show by leaving a five-star review, buy some merch, or simply share these stories with your professional homegirls. You never know. These storylines can be someone else's lifeline. Now, please keep in mind that all of my guests are anonymous. So let's begin this week's episode. It has been four years since I spoke to my guests from episode 38. I am a correctional officer at Rikers Island, and she is back to share her thoughts on one of the largest epidemics in our country, gun violence, and how it affected her and her family. So to my guests, how are you doing? I'm good. And yourself, Ebony? I'm good. I'm good. Good. Your skin looking good. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I see the hair on point. She got her hair wrapped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sunday mommy mode. Okay. So let's do an update for the listeners because your episode has been in the top 10 since it dropped. Where were your thoughts on our first conversation? I think that it was amazing. Um, it gave me an opportunity to give um an insight I think to um my world as a correction officer at the time as a female correction officer and I think it was just a little bit um it helped people to answer some questions about some things that go on behind the gate is what we say mm -hmm. and um give an insight and I think that um I live in both worlds, meaning that I am of the world. I live in the same community that I service. And so I understand some of the issues that people may have with um, the you know, jail system and Rikers Island specifically and things of that sort. So I hope that I was able to, you know, give a little insight and um, answer some questions maybe or just Hear some things that were that people didn't know about. So I loved it. I loved it. I got great responses from it. So it was good for me. Now, hands down, that was one of my favorite interviews. I was like, okay, oh. okay, come on now. I feel like I was <laughs> on my Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jail is one of those type of things where you could have so many questions. Unfortunately, I think I may have said in the episode, and if I didn't, it's just one of them type of things that you really don't know unless you unfortunately are an, an inmate, a detainee, or an officer. You really don't understand. We could have talked for hours, girl. I'm sure I would have been able to answer a whole bunch of different questions from different directions. It's it's right. it's, it's 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 almost fascinating. It's sad that we have a system because of the things that you know we experience in this world it's, it's crazy but it's also fascinating I think of mm -hmm. you know the, the operations of jail and the, the system and the law and how things intertwine and interchange and work together and work apart too right right, right. And so it's just different so it, it's fascinating I literally used to write about jail when I was in college so yeah oh wow what a full circle moment mm-hmm and I also received a lot of feedback about your episode and most of the feedback were good because um, a lot of people that responded back to me were CEOs and they felt like you did a great job of explaining what the daily operation is as being a, a CEO. But I also got some feedback from some other people who felt like he was glorifying being a CEO. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's going to happen, especially, 
if um, people have the unfortunate, first of all, they, I'm, I'm glad because, you know, when we go to describing anything that we do, especially career wise, especially when we're tasked with such a, a great responsibility, it's a great responsibility to be a correction officer, especially if you have the right mind and heart of what you're doing, right? It's a right. great responsibility to make sure that people are safe and to not be judgmental. That's not what we're there for and those things. So for those officers who did listen and think that I did do a great job, I'm very happy because that was my goal. And um, right. in part, right, we, we get that, right? The public opinion is not so nice when it comes to law enforcement and then to have an experience right so as a, a nypd officer let's say that walks the street um a lot of the times our opinions we get it wrong still too right we take one or two or ten situations that they post on the news or maybe an experience that we have in our community and we kind of make it a blanket thing that this is exactly how officers um do their do, do their job right which is not fair because we see a bad uh receptionist is not the way all receptionists are right? right we see a bad person at starbucks that has a bad attitude is not the way all baristas are so uh the public opinion of correction officers i'm not surprised are is not always is really never really nice you know right. and especially because you can't see it and you don't really know it, like I said, unless you experience it. And then if you have the unfortunate situation where, where my, one of your loved ones may have been an inmate or a detainee, right? That most of the time they're not coming out like, yeah, jail was, and every officer was Hi. great, right? <laughs> the times they're explaining back to their family members or their people that love them about things that are not so nice or even if they come they come to visit on Rikers Island sometimes a lot of the times they have unpleasant um experiences yeah experiences so um and it's not that they're wrong right right I'm not gonna sit here and say that all correction officers are, are great no people right. have people have bad intentions people sometimes don't do the right thing with the job you know what I'm saying like a, a lot of times but there are some awesome ones you know and I think that I, I came in with the mind state like I said that I'm not going to judge I'm here to do a job they're going to get everything they're supposed to have I'm not going to give them nothing that they're not supposed to have and you know I want to be proud about the job that I do and then people say how can you be proud you you're keeping us locked up and you are no I'm like no and I think I talked about that um in the first episode about how the system right I think we talk about Khalif mm -hmm. and how before it got to Rikers Island and highlighting Rikers Island, but we skipped a whole bunch of steps in that story. They talked about it a little bit, how the law and the justice system, they they did him wrong. And so- I mean, they failed him for sure. Him. And so, yeah, I'm, you know, we get the backlash. How could you be proud about, you know, keeping our black and brown people um, locked up? And that's not the case. It's a job. It's a job. And, you know, we just hope that most, of the population of correction officers come in with the right idea to do their job to the best ability. So I'm not surprised that people weren't so happy. <laughs> I'm so, yes. I was surprised. I thought you was going to say some correction officers wasn't happy because 
you know, I talk from an honest place and from what I've seen and what my experience is. I think I talked a little bit about how being a female, because what that's what it was. It was about a female correction officer. Right. Specifically. And I think I talked about how I've seen some female officers where they get a little hard, you know, and they forget. And it wasn't a shot. It was what I seen and what I experienced. And I was talking about more so to myself and how I tried to keep myself as feminine as possible and not kind of go into that world and mentally how you have to be prepared and how I, I it took time because people come in at 21 years old. It's, it's so many like I said, I think that job is fascinating because there's so many facets, so many layers, so many before we get sometimes to even an end result. You know what I mean? People right. coming at 21 years old to do this big job. This is a big job. You understand what I'm saying? And sometimes it takes a little bit of time before they catch their groove and they really learn how to do the job right. And unfortunately, we're working with human beings, right? We're not working mm -hmm. with on a daggone package or something where you when you mess up it's really affecting somebody's life but sometimes it doesn't come from a bad place sometimes it comes from just not knowing and learning how to kind of do your thing the way you need to do it it's like it's just so much to that job like I'm retired now and I miss it sometimes of course you miss the people that you you've encountered that you like but you miss it I miss the rigmarole of it kind of you know I have a full life but I miss kind of like this is the person I am, like kind of figuring things out. Every day is not the same. And um, that kind of, the, the fascination of it, I kind of miss right. sometimes. Yeah, I well, love it. I also feel like you probably miss it too because you actually enjoy your job, but you did it with integrity. But maybe, thank you. Yes, maybe that's, I did enjoy my job. I did, I did. I think and I don't that, think there's anything wrong with that because you're supposed to enjoy your job. I think so too. I think so too. Right. I, I I used to tell people that, like, oh, I can't stand it. Oh, I can't. And I used to be like, then you should leave. Like, this should be a thing where it's a choice. I know the money is good, but your sanity, your mental health, things are those, those are so, and you could, you never know what God has in store. You know what I mean? If this is not the place for you, if that's what you, but I didn't feel like that. I think I said that. I think I said God intended me to do that job. He right. really you know, it's a, like I said, there's so many layers. I and mean, we like I said, we could have a whole two, three continue. You could get other people to come in. I would love to hear other officers' opinion because right. it's so much to that job. You know, they joke about it, but we are really more than correction officers. I hate when they say uh uh high paid babysitters. It's like, are you crazy? I've 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 hugged murderers because they're human and right. they hurt when they get life and what am I going to do when they like, uh, 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 you know, or, hey. you know, maybe not literally hug them, girl, I, I'm stretching, but like, listen, sat there and listen to so them. Empathy. Yeah, I've sat hey. there. Like, I, yeah, I did this. I got life. And they don't realize young boys, 15 years old, killing on these streets and, you know, running in gangs. And I've been a mother to miss, you know, people who have, don't have a mother figure in their life. I've been a listening ear. I've been a disciplinarian. I've been a psychoanalyst. Like I've done everything on this job. Like really it's a fast, when I tell you it's a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating job to me. It really, really is. It's like one of a kind. I look back now and be like, I can't believe I did that job. I really cannot. <laughs> and I was like my mid twenties. And sometimes I say that I had a, a young lady that, um, that she's very uh 
you know, she's doing well in life. She's about 20 something years old. She's doing very well. She's a, a photographer. Um, but she, I, she, I used to be like her counselor and, um, I ran into her in the street and we got to talking and I was just giving her advice about some stuff that she's struggling with, with life. And she was like, you know what? You have always been that for me. Like, I remember just being like, dang, she got, she has it together. And when I get older, like, this is the, the focus. Like, how do I get to feel like that? Even if I don't take the same path. And I only mentioned that to say, I looked at her and was like, I was 20 two years what advice was I giving you for life like and I feel like that about this job like I was 24 25 something like that like how did I figure out how to command a a, a, a area of a hundred men and tell right. them what they're men like men they not like some of them might have been 50 something years old and I'm telling them what they're gonna do and what they can't do and you know mm -hmm. so you look back and be like Damn, I really did that. Like, <laughs> right. wow, you know what I'm saying? I did it for almost 17 years. Like, this is crazy, you know? So, yeah, it, it's, it's, mm -hmm. after doing some research, it was stated that nearly every American would know at least one victim of gun violence in our lifetime. Have you ever been affected by gun violence before? Right. So, no, not until recently. Mm -hmm. And just like you reading that, saying that everyone, how what is, what is the percentage? I don't have the percentage, but it says that um one out of four was it was it? Oh, no, nearly like everyone, every American will know at least one victim. Right, and so um, yeah, no, not until recently did I know a victim that was so close to home. And I think that makes a difference, right? So it's unfortunate that, you know, I'm the type of person if I hear about something, either personally or on the news, especially if it's, you know, just tragic that you're just like, oh my God, right? You, right. You, right? Um, but to experience as close to home as I did, I literally, the, the part that gave me chills was I literally, I don't know why, and there's nothing so special about me, right? That I thought that I never would ex have this experience that I, right. that I have. Ever. Never. Ever. Especially in this way. Never. Ever. Right. Mm -hmm. What were your thoughts on gun violence before this happened? Um, My thoughts on gun violence was maybe because I feel like I'm a straight least human being and American. So I think on that side of the line, meaning that um, I am the person that's like, uh, why don't they uh, have it to where you have to be investigated more? Why isn't it more difficult? Why don't people have to, um, you know, do like an annual thing, if, even for people that um, have licenses to carry guns, right? right? Especially because being in law enforcement, um, uh, you know, once you're doing the training annually, right? And we're carrying personal protection firearms and, and you get more educated. That's what it is, right? You start to go, why why isn't the whole America like this? You know, what, what does this come from? So I've always had that enough 
mind frame. Now, in the last two months, I have the mind frame of the is stop and frisk effective. Do we what what do we do with that? Like, do we bring that completely all the way back? And if we do, how do we police the police, right? But right. is it effective? But is it effective to get illegal firearms off the street? Um, just just a bunch of questions on in my own head now on how to fix the problems, right? And it kind of it kind of doesn't make me feel funny, but it kind of I question myself, right? Like this is important, period. And not until it gets so close to home mm -hmm. do does it become more important to you. And that Fast. that 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 kind of kind of made me feel a little bit guilty to right. if I'm being honest and unfair like now I want to be in the marches. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Now I want to wear the t-shirts and I want to join the organization. And I kind of got down, I kind of got on myself and was like, you know what? This was affecting somebody else and black and brown people for a long time. And you should have been standing up and you should have been um, having an opinion and you should have been trying to get some things out here changed and some of these laws and some of the effectiveness in your own community. So I will say that, that, you know, I'm more aware, I'm more interested, I'm doing more research, I'm, you know, talking to my children more about um, gun violence ever since, um, you know, my husband was murdered, you know, so it, it, yeah, it's, it's, it, it makes you look at things differently, right? It makes you learn laws differently. It makes you just right. pay attention differently. Yeah. So, but I always had an opinion about um, firearms in general. Um, don't like them. Yeah. I don't like them either. I don't want them near me. I don't want to see one. Like, right. Even with being educated, um, I, you know, as being in law enforcement, I could break a firearm all the way down to the coils to clean it and put it back together still not comfortable still right. don't like it. but um yeah we just need some stiffer laws and some precautions i don't i think before we even get to the law part because when we talk about gun violence i don't know the statistics on it and that's the thing let me say that first that i love about your podcast um i was very um not nervous but just feeling like at first that I needed to have all of these statistics and all of these numbers and all of this stuff about gun violence so that I can have an intelligent conversation. But the thing about your podcast is that not that that's not important, especially when we're talking about such a serious subject, right. but I think that people want to listen to the real of how someone feels that's affected. And that's what your podcast does, right? We talk from a very honest place. Right. And somebody might not hear that the, uh, you know, gun violence has gone up in New York City in November, December, and January, 13%. That may mean nothing to them. But right. it might be something to them for them to hear me say, I have a 13-year-old son whose father was murdered on his lunch break in the same communities like you know like he was murdered in queens we're from harlem but still you know what i mean right two days before christmas by somebody who had an illegal gun he was on his lunch break 
He was a worker. He was a great person, a great dad. He didn't. He wasn't deserving of that. I think that makes more sense to somebody than numbers and statistics. You know what I'm saying? And so I can I can feel comfortable. Thank you coming Thank on your platform and just talking from an honest place. And if I don't know all the numbers, it doesn't change my heart and what I think about this topic, how I'm affected personally by it, how my children are affected personally by it. So I'm sorry to anybody that listens to this that I don't have all the statistics for New York City, but I do have the one that matters. And right now for me is that my, my husband was murdered. You know what I'm saying? Two months right. ago. I have a 13-year-old that's highly, and by somebody who has a criminal record, somebody who has been in and out the jail system, somebody who, if laws was this different, if we didn't have things like bail reform and um, lax, like New York City is like, a, um, a, a, what's the what's the word I'm looking for, Ebony? The, um, you know, it's a... Uh, uh, I always say this. I can't believe but, I can't this word. It's like not loose, but you know, it's 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 more for the people. It's like um. Oh, I know what you what you're talking about. Oh, I know exactly. Child, I'm about to start googling. I know exactly what you mean. Like New York is for like, it's not. It's what's the word? It's it's um. I can't. But I say this. I, all but New York is for the people. Yes, it's more for the people and it's, it's great. It's a lot on, of loopholes. Yeah, and it's great on some levels that is that way, but it's some things that we definitely need to work on. We it's need a to lot fight. Of gray. Yeah, you know, and it's like, you know, this this particular person that did this to my um husband, and I'm sure it's more people who are out there like this. They, 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 they go in and out of the system. They learn the loopholes. And just maybe if laws was a little bit stiffer, they wouldn't be able to be out here and commit. You know, it's like you see these people who commit crimes and it gets worse and it gets worse and it gets worse. And before a lot of these reforms and these changing of laws and stuff like that, you know, they would kind of catch themselves up in the system. Right now, I'm like, oh, I could, you know, rob a clothing store and I'm out on bail before 24 hours. Right, you know, so um, it is gun violence has a lot to do with a lot of things to me is what I'm trying to say. It's about different laws that need to be changed. It's about um the way that we police in our community, and I say the way because. I don't know exactly what needs to be done. Like I said, is it a stop and frisk type of thing and then police the police? Is it a, I don't know, being more aware, being more present in the community so that people uh, could feel comfortable with like, um, I don't want to use the word snitching, but you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, well, I get say, what you're saying. There needs to be a yeah, right. we're not gonna have this in our community. You know, working hand in hand with the police is there. Is there such a thing? Have we completely lost that? Especially in New York City, you know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be something. We have to get back to it. Does doesn't it feel like we like we living in like Western times or something? Like it's going backwards. It's like the wild wild west out here. Yeah. It's 
many things that's happening and you don't feel like that the criminals are being held accountable. Like, I don't know how else to say it intelligently. It seems like they get away with a whole lot out here. <laughs> I don't know. I do agree. I do feel like there needs to be a better, it has to be a better relationship between law enforcement and the community because at this point, there is no relationship. And I think that because we have seen so much and experienced so much, it makes it very difficult to trust those that's supposed to protect us. Right. And which you is understandable. Mm -hmm. It's like we in a world, a visual world, right? And so right. all the same going on, you can see it, right? And we have the social media and the camera phones and stuff like that, like I said. But we have to figure out how to um, make a relationship with uh, back with law enforcement and the communities that they serve. Right. Because if we don't, then what? Like, it, it it's a lack of respect, um, both ways. Right. It's lack of knowledge. It's a lack of um trust. You know, and to talk for law enforcement officers, a lot of law enforcement officers are afraid, and they're reacting very wrong. It, it's a whole bunch of stuff you could talk about. You could talk about the training, a bunch of stuff. But we have to figure it out. Right. We or else then what like the barn door is open right now <laughs> and we have to get this door closed back in or else what is going to happen out here like it's so right. scary you know I have like I said my youngest son is 13 and I have a 28 year old son I have even my daughter you know what I mean you have all of these um it, not just New York City, I know is that's what pertains to me, but even with these um gun laws, even for people who get them legally, like these assault rifles or these campuses, these shootings, and now they have how, the ghost guns, huh? Now they have the ghost guns. Yes, the ghost guns. I I was reading about that. <laughs> I'm telling you, I've I've done so much just random research ever since. Um, in the last two months, ever since um, you know, we've been going through what we've been going through. I didn't even know. And yeah. this, I didn't even know about ghost guns. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what they were. I did I had no clue. I'm I'm literally one of those people that just are walking out here that's just like, of course, I'm aware more so than the average person of crime and um things that go on in the world. But I was really walking out here every day like one of those people that just wasn't affected by the things that we're talking about right now. So I just was like, listen, if I'm just a you know a good person and I take good care of my kids and you right. know what, I'm saying? what I gotta do, then yeah, this is the like no. Right. Mm. But you mentioned earlier that you felt guilty, but is it feeling guilty or is it just a reminder that it could happen to any one of us? It's, it this is a reminder that it can happen to any one of us, but I just felt guilty because this, this, I think one of the biggest things that I felt guilty about is because one of my one of my famous things that I always say is somebody has to be Rosa Parks. Somebody has to be the first to take a stand in any type of situation where you want change. And that's the most scariest position to have. Right. It's the first. 
to say this is wrong or we need to do something about this, right? But I have led my life that even when somebody was Rosa Parks, that I was afraid to join in mm -hmm. the fight or just didn't think that, I shouldn't say afraid. I was didn't think that my one body Matter. would matter. But one body makes two, makes 20, makes 100, makes 500, makes 5,000, makes a movement. And I always was, and not that I wasn't affected, not that I'm I'm talking about the things that has happened, right, in recent times, the George, George, George Floyd moments, the Black Lives Matter moments, right? I'm being honest, fully transparent, never joined one of those marches or anything like that. Not that I don't think that it was a horrible situation. Right. Um, Tamika D. Mallory is one of my favorite, favorite um, voices of our time. I love her work. I love the way she just moves and the way she does, right? She she just, she doesn't come off like she is running for no office. She come off like, I'm Rosa Parks for the people. Never join none of her stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's it comes from because if I go to start a march in in um remembrance of my ex husband who was uh you know gunned down whatever the case may be I would want somebody to stand with me and ten people and twenty people and five hundred and five thousand and I just have never been that to any movement because I wasn't directly affected mm -hmm. and that's not what we should do you understand okay. and I that I'm only getting that because it has happened to me because it could happen to anybody. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. yeah, this is this right. is my my big girl moment. This is my this is my test. You know what I'm saying? And it's the only thing that keeps me um sane because I know at the end of test there has to be a testimony. Like it has to be something. That right. This this is part of that. This is a start. And the thing about it is. I have a big mouth. I talk a lot about a lot of things. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's where the guilt comes in too. Like, I feel like I could have been effective. I feel like I could have started a, a march or a talk or a, a, a whatever, a fundraiser or this or that. And right. so the, that you beat yourself up about. You know what I mean? Like, I, I even, I even, um, I even contemplate in doing this because I'm like, yeah. I've had this situation that happened to me two months ago, but who wants to hear from me? Like, who cares about how I feel about gun violence? Who cares about, even though I think I'm the perfect person, not only because of this situation, because I was law enforcement. I live in the same community that most of the people, clientele, unfortunately, you want to call them, come from. Um, I've experienced a lot of stuff, but I just was like, is it right for me to talk about it? Because now maybe it's somebody that was, who has been a champion for gun violence, you know what I'm saying? And bell reform and things that are, maybe they're a better guest, you know what I'm saying? Right. But no, because I am in it now. Right. I can't from a place of my experience now. So, yeah. I'm thankful for you for sharing your story because, um, a couple of months ago, one of my best friends' boyfriend was killed. So I was telling her about your story. 
And she's like looking forward to it because I feel like a lot of times when people are going through certain things, even though you have all the support and love, it's very hard for people for you to feel like people relate to you unless they've been through the same exact thing. And right. grief has been doing a number on her, as I'm pretty sure it's been doing a number on you. And yeah. I feel like your story, a lot of people, unfortunately, are going to be able to relate to it. Yeah. And so, um, yes, grief. Hmm. You know, we follow each other on social media. And so... I can tell I'm, when you're going through it. I'm like, yeah, when I see you post, um, I just send a little prayer up for you because I'm like, grief? Girl, it's, I, I, I didn't even know that there was a thing that could take hold of yeah. your body in the way that this has on me. I mean, physically. I have not been well since I, the day I got the news. Like physically, my body has not done. Like literally, I have not felt myself. Like my heart, literally. You understand? I said, I will never, ever, if, you know, I, my goal, of course, I want, I'm still living. And so I want to be in a full relationship. God forbid anybody ever hurts me. I will never use the term heartbroken. Oh, he broke my heart. Because the way my heart is broken, the physical, like literally when you're laying in bed and you have to talk yourself out of the feeling like you're about to have a stroke or a heart attack, whatever that feels like physically, like you have to talk yourself down in order to just not feel like you're about to die. Like there's, there's no, th this type of thing is the same thing. Like, you don't know this. Nobody knows this unless they go through it. Right. And it's so funny because the people that I know that have that have are still because grief is one of those type of things where I don't think you get over. I, mean, oh, no. I think you learn how to live with it as part of your life. Yo, and just I always say that like I lost my grandmother seven years ago and she was like a mom to me. And I was telling my homegirl who's going through it now. And she was like, how do you get through it? And I'm like, honestly, you don't. I said, you just learn how no. to live with it. I was you like, don't. some days I'm like, it's seven years later. And I still cry for my grandmother. I was like, you just don't. You just go through the flow. Yeah. With it. yeah and I'm nowhere close to give anybody advice. Like I'm two months. You understand? But um, yeah, you just, you just, I think that you learn what tactics or right. to whatever or what triggers or whatever eventually I'm sure I'll get there but the people that I know who I have a a friend who son was killed in 2022 and another friend who husband five kids killed in 2022 and um those are the people that I can't talk to though mm -hmm. that's so it's the it's the people who I know know this what this is I can't talk to them. I'm not ready, which is weird because you would think that those are the very people that I want to, but I can't, I don't, I think that I feel like because I know the feeling that talking to them, I would like feel, you understand? Like, like it's different. Like I, like I feel like my friend, I just was like, you know, I'm here for you when her son got killed. And when she, same way, when she see me post, she's very good at sending me, lengthy dms and saying stuff like you know you, i understand and this is that and that and when i read her stuff because i know it's coming from this that i feel 
I'm broken. Like, I can't even get through her words. So I know talking to her. I'm just not at that place. I'm at a place of shutdown. Right. I, I don't, I don't have a whole lot for the world. I'm just figuring out how to function on an everyday basis. So, I, and I still go out and stuff, but I'm, I'm numbing. It's like, I need to, when I sit idle is when it hits me. So I try to go out, but that's not good because that, that'll find you broke, addicted to alcohol or whatever it, you know what I'm saying? Or just right. I have to deal, but I'm just not ready. Cause it's not real to me yet. I don't know if that makes sense. Every day oh, is like can't. you can't believe it. If you follow me, you've seen me say that. Like every day is like Groundhog Day. It's like the first day I got the news. Every single day. It's unbelievable to me that it's that way. Like I literally talk to myself, like, come on now. Like right. today. Yeah, it's like Groundhog Day. It's like I relive it every day. It's like I remind myself every day that he's gone. Every right. single day. Dude is not real to me. I've I've gone to call him in the last two months. I've talked out loud to him. Let me say, I've puckered my lips while I'm laying down. Like I can visualize him coming towards me to give me a kiss. I've felt him. I've I've and he he's he's coming to me and I don't know what it is. And it's like all the things you hear that you be like that you can't resonate with when somebody else. You listen to it, you're like, oh, okay. It's the stuff that make you think you're going crazy because it's just like, and it's the trauma of it for me. You know what I'm saying? Death in and of itself, right, is something that's hard to deal with. But the way he left this earth. Right. The way he was gunned down, he was gunned down in the middle of a mall you know what I'm saying? Very public. The first notification, the first visual thing, because I got the notification over the phone. The first visual oh, thing, I, um, his aunt um, called me. She was coming. She was calling me to go identify his body. Wow. And I was on a vacation. I was on a cruise. And I held it for three days. Probably the worst three days of my life before I was able to tell my son because we were on a cruise and so I didn't think it was best to tell him and then what like we have we you know you can't it's not like you could just fly out of you know what I'm saying like you got to stay so I didn't tell him for three days my daughter actually knew and so we would take turns breaking down and distracting him and and they called me to go identify his body but quickly after that because we live in a world of camera phones and everything like that. The very first visual I got was him laying on the street, dead, face down, blood coming out his mouth. It's one of the things that when I close my eyes, it's the first thing I see. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did, did he know the person? Um, I, I don't know. Because the person was very bold to do what he did and not have a mask on. Girl. Girl. I was Cause I was looking at the, I was reading the articles and I'm like, wow, like you didn't even try to conceal your face. Girl, it's like, girl, I told somebody the other day, the video is so clear. It's like, he told somebody, watch what I'm about to do. Shoot this for me real quick. Cause it was like, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure the video you saw, but he, the, it was, it was obviously some type of situation. Um, 
I'm not going to go into detail because I don't know. I really have no idea. And the way that the streets work, I've heard 10 different stories. It changes every time I speak to somebody else. But it obviously was some type of situation because it was he, personal. Uh, it seemed personal. The guy pulled up and he um he took the gun from out of the hood of his car. It's on video. He gets out, he pops the hood of his car and takes the gun out very not even trying to conceal it, like just basically down at his side. And like you said, his face wasn't um disguised or anything. It was twelve sixteen in the afternoon. But um yes, so it was personal, but personal could look like a bunch of things. Like I said, we from Harlem. He worked, he was working in Queens. He had only started working in Queens for about a little over a month or maybe two months at that time. And, you know, he worked on construction sites. So wherever the construction sites took him, which was all the boroughs, whatever the case may be. Right. That he couldn't have some type of beef within that time frame. But it's so many things that bring you know it's so many different topics it could have been mental health right people get bumped nowadays and they take it whatever um a small argument who knows yeah. who knows i do know that i feel like it couldn't have been anything super serious and the reason why i say that is because or at least super serious to my husband because he he came from the streets. You understand what I'm saying? If it was anything that he needed to be on point one, he was the king of on point, like head on a swivel. You know what I'm saying? So it obviously was something that he didn't take would result in that, even close to that. Does that make sense? Right. Have uh, been different. Because if he felt like it was a situation, then he would have been aware of it and on point with it. Uh, absolutely uh, oh thousand percent right a thousand percent and i'm telling you for you know i was with him for oh 17 years mm -hmm. this is what i know this concludes part one of this week's episode please stay tuned for part two dropping next tuesday until next time everyone later it's brand new season two I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at, at first, first listen. listen. This season... 
We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 